Welcome back to another episode of A Few Screws Loose, the podcast where we have discussions about mental illness by the mentally ill. I am one of your hosts, Dan. You can find me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. And I am P in Charlotte. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Screws Loose Pod. In the previous episode, we I, I believe it was episode six. We discussed substance abuse, how it affects people of color. Um, we also shared our histories with uh, kind of dabbling in abusing substance or in my case, uh, being a full blown alcoholic uh, at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. We also shared a couple of funny stories in between and uh some home remedies for going through withdrawal as far as um opiates. P shared some of his experience um as far as running calls and how you it's illegal to treat frequent flyers any um pretty much like shit because you look at them and say hey they did this to themselves. So if you missed that, go back, check that episode out. It was a really, really good episode. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll laugh again. And then, oh, yeah, we wish death on people that was doing fireworks and speeding and shit. You know, makes sense. So, uh, P, what, what we got on the agenda today? Today, we are going to discuss sexual abuse, uh, sexual crimes, victims of it, uh, and also the effect that it has on their mental health. So this is a quite a hot topic right now with the recent R. Kelly documentary show, whatever it is that everyone is talking about. Uh, I'm not watching it because this is not new stuff. I'm not shaming anyone who watches it now. I mean, apparently it's good TV, but uh, you know, I, I feel as though it's a great opportunity to talk about the ongoing issue of sexual abuse, especially at this time where there is another increased awareness Here's my thoughts. And I'm going to say this real briefly on the documentary. I really don't want to discuss the R. Kelly documentary. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's it's been a hot topic all week. It's and his behavior and actions have been a hot topic for two decades or more now. It's it's called Surviving R. Kelly. It premiered and ran on the Lifetime Network and. Becky and I, uh, we did sit down and we watched all six parts. Some of the stuff we knew, some of the stuff we forgot is when that's exactly what him and his team and his legal team wanted us to do was to forget. And um, some of some of the stuff that was divulged on this uh, documentary or docu series, should I say, was stuff that I never heard before. And it was rather alarming. Um so, again, I'm not going to get into the details of the actual documentary. There's 
Uh, it's the talk of the town right now. So you can go somewhere else or go check it out. Check the documentary out yourself um, on on the mental illness side. Right. He's a sick motherfucker. And I'm sorry, being being mentally ill myself. There's there's certain things that are just inexcusable and molesting children, pedophilia, any type of sexual crimes that that's inexcusable. That's not the same as someone like myself flipping out, cussing someone out, maybe even punching someone in the face, assaulting someone. It's it's not the same. And whatever illness illness air quotes he has i i don't really give a shit man like that's that's no excuse to do the things he done uh pedophilia being the the primary and uh child molestation kidnapping um these little girls p do you, do you think him because you know we we look at military members right they come back and they might get into an altercation they might blow someone's fucking head off and the first thing we're having a discussion about is PTSD. Oh, well, you know, he has PTSD, so that would explain whatever. So do you think mental illness excuses? Now, I'm not saying his actions are OK, but do you think they excuse the person or absolve them of their behavior? Hell no. I have been irritated by this uh, phenomenon for a while now. Um, I've had PTSD for well over 10 years I've worked with a lot of people who have it. I know a lot of military personnel who have it. It always bothers me when someone does something uh, horrendous, uh, abusive, violent, and then they want to fall back on mental health, mentally ill, mental illness. And it does a disservice to us, those of us who do have mental illness, um, legitimate mental illness, who have never had a desire to do anything that we see some of these people doing, whether it be a mass shooting, whether it be uh, sexual abuse or, or whatever. So, you know, frankly, I'm inclined to believe, and this isn't backed up by stats, I'm inclined to believe that people who do suffer from mental illness, like PTSD, depression, um, you know, whatever, I'm inclined to believe that they make up less of a percentage of violent crimes and actions against others. Um, I'm just speaking off of my own opinion here, but it seems like that most people that suffer are more of a threat to themselves and maybe their family. Uh, but there's never it's not an excuse. And, you know, I can see him now or others excusing him saying, oh, well, he must have had a mental illness. And that makes me angry because we end up getting looked at a certain way. And there's another and there's a stigma that will always follow whenever some dickhead like R. Kelly or some douchebag shooting up a theater claims they're mentally ill pervert. Dave Chappelle knew about this way back in like 04. We knew about it way back in the 90s when we knew Aaliyah was 15. And this dude obviously was not 15. So, you know, it's just a hot topic again. It'll die down. Uh, I told my wife, Dan, I said, when they make another uh, revisit uh, documentary about Michael Jackson and they have some scandalous thing saying, oh, well, he you know, was a, was 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 accused of. Uh, molest molesting a child then some, then people are going to pretend like that's brand new information again and and you know I, it seems like every quarter of the year it's always a a re-emerging re topic that everyone has always known to make people mad again i agree with what you what you stated about um him not being absolved uh for his behavior right so i i don't want to spend too much time talking about pedophilia as far as from the predator or the perpetrator's um side of things right 
But one one of the things that is factual is a large percentage, not all of them, but a large percentage of of sexual predators, period, have been on the on the other side of that as far as being molested, uh, raped, uh, things of that nature. And it's it's almost like a learned behavior, so to speak. Um, not that it's OK. So I do advocate for people who have been abused sexually to seek help. Um, and whether that be through therapy or, uh, you know, going to a psychologist, psychiatrist and trying to work through that, that trauma, any any type of traumatic event in your life, you're going to each person reacts differently to trauma. Some people are able to. Ah, that happened, whatever, moving on, bottle it up, not think about it, not talk about it. Other people, they do bottle it up. And some of the things that they do are affected by this, like their decision making, for instance, like a woman or a woman, girl, teenager, just a female who has been raped. Sometimes, you know, they go out here into adulthood and they become very promiscuous, right? And I'm not sure what the science is behind that and males who have been because it's it's like it favors the males as far as hurt people, hurt people, um, males who have been molested, raped, uh, sexually assaulted. They they are the ones who tend to continue this cycle, you know, once they get older or get um, find themselves in a position to take advantage of somebody. But women, on the other hand. Now, this is this is not scientific. This is just my experience in knowing and talking to people is women tend to be a little more promiscuous. Uh, P, what's your thoughts on that, man? You know, you brought up something interesting when you mentioned males, too. You know, I'm gonna give an example here. Well, first, first of all, Dan, let me just make this clear about what actually is the definition of sexual assault. A lot of people may only think of one thing, whether it be rape or or uh, touched on your body parts sexually, like your breasts or or genitals or whatever. But it's actually more wi- uh, wider encompassing than that. And some people may not know this. Um, obvious, you know, this is from the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. Uh, you know, attempted rape. That's obviously sexual assault, fondling or un- unwanted sexual touching. But people may assume that sexual touching is just limited to those parts. But sexual touching also means unwanted touching. Someone that's hugging on you. You don't want them to give you a hug and they come give you a hug or someone uh, puts their hand on your shoulder after you say, please get off my shoulder or their hand on your back or anything like that. Uh, You know, forcing or trying to force someone to perform sexual acts, uh, you know, any sexual act that includes oral sex and obviously rape. Uh, So I wanted to get that out of the way. But when you brought up about boys being sexually assaulted, I think that's something that a lot of people uh, don't really truly grip as being widespread. I'm going to give you an example, Dan. How many of our friends growing up said, you know, and, you know, obviously little boys will lie. You know, they lie on their dick. That's what we used to call it. But there are a lot who would say things like, yeah, I, I remember when I did it to my babysitter when I was like 11 and she was like 17 and things like that. That's fairly common in our community. And that is rape and sexual assault. That's a minor. So we have to call those things out like we see it. And and, and just like with females, you know, that being a victim of this can create catastrophic effects in your life, you know, destructive relationships 
You don't really grip what's a healthy relationship. You may become unhealthy, unhealthily attached to an abuser. Uh, you may be searching for father figures and wind up being abused again. You know, uh, so it, it it's a lot of lifetime consequences that can come from sexual abuse. And, and, and like you said, Dan, I think uh, not to make light of women who are sexually abusing girls, but, you know, a lot of these boys, little boys are, too. And it's a shame that that kind of goes un, um, under recognized today because it, it's 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 pretty bad. Man, I I've always personally up until 2000, maybe 16 ish. I mean, I considered things like um, rape, uh, incest, pedophilia, uh, statutory rape. I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about statutory rape. We'll we'll get back to that. But those are things that I considered um, sexual assault, sexual crimes. And this is with no research. It was I'm, I'm talking prior to the Me Too movement. And, you know, the, the Me Too movement opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't necessarily see, see prior to hearing women speak up. Because, you know, when when we grew up, it was it was normal for us to silence women. Right. So a woman comes forward and says, so-and-so touched me inappropriately at work. Johnny at work touched me inappropriately. Or he he made a sexual proposition. The The first thing, especially in our community, in the black community, in minority communities, um, is what did you do? You know, what was your part in this? And, you know, we we automatically, boom, go to victim blaming or victim shaming, should I say. Blaming, shaming, same thing. And then the next step is when they come out and shit goes public. Like think, um, uh, I don't know, Clarence Thomas. I can't think of anyone off the top of the, or, the Judge Kavanaugh situation. Yeah, yeah, Judge Kavanaugh. Um, I'm gonna use R. Kelly again, and I hate to keep talking about this fucker, but um, there's a lot of people. The reason I'm using him is because he's a minority as well, but um. So we, we first go to victim shaming and victim blaming, which is what did you do? What was your part in this? What responsibility do you take? Then the second thing is when, when the people come public and you see it on TV, you see it on the news, right? Now it's, oh, he or she's trying to come up. They're trying to get some money. They're trying to benefit financially from this. Like that has been our culture for so long and it was ingrained into us. So no, we don't take we didn't take prior to the Me Too movement sexual assault and sexual crimes seriously. And we did silence women. And do you know how easy it was for somebody who holds a position of power, say a Harvey Weinstein, to get rid of somebody who speaks out against him? Right. So he makes a sexual advance. The sexual advance is declined. He he then it's like, OK, you get the fuck out of here and I'm going to get somebody in here who wants to fuck me, basically. So then a the woman goes, you know, hey, Harvey Weinstein did this to me or Bill Cosby. Another one, Bill Cosby did this to me. And it's like, nah, y'all lying. Y'all just trying to get money. You mad because you got fired. Somebody else got your job. You just trying to get some money. And that that's basically what, what we reduced sexual assault and sexual crimes against women to, man. Do you do you agree or? How's, what's your take on it? It's irritating to me as a father of a daughter and also know close people who are victims of sexual abuse. 
uh, you know, very intimately uh, in terms of details. But, you know, part of that victim shaming, it has a terrible consequence as well. You know, you brought up Bill Cosby. I was going to bring him up, too. And right now I'm talking about my community, our community, the black community. Every time you see a black prominent figure get, you know, accused of a sex crime, Bill Cosby, even though he admitted to giving these women these 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 Ruthies and and admitted openly, apparently people still don't think that's good enough. They make it about, oh, they're just trying to get Bill Cosby because he's black and they post pictures of one of his accusers and say, look at her. She's ugly. Why would anyone want to rape her? You know, Judge Kavanaugh, this woman went before Congress uh, and and testified and she was faced nothing but ridicule and horrible treatment since then. Everyone asking the same question. Why Why did you wait? Why are you just coming forward now? Well, frankly, if it's hard to get people to support you and pay attention to your accusations in the present day, imagine back in the early 1980s and late 1970s. You know, they're not going to listen. And, you know, a major issue with this is how rape is underreported. You know, I see that rape is actually one of the most underreported crimes. And I believe it's only, uh, what, 60, I think 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to police. And people tend to say, oh, well, the victim or she's lying. Well, a stat from the same service, uh, you can check it out at nsvrc.org. They state that the prevalence of false reporting of sexual abuse is low. It's only between two to ten percent. Um, and in eight and from two thousand to two thousand three, that rate was even lower. It was uh, two point one percent were false reports. So this false narrative that everyone likes to believe, oh, women are lying or these people are lying, that's just BS. And that contributes to women not coming out. Because why would you come out, risk your reputation, have yourself subject to abuse, attack, ridicule, and you know that most likely the return of uh, the, the risk versus the reward is very, very low. The, the risk is high. The reward is low. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things I'd like to add, too, is that's a common um, it's a common thing for sexual predators. Right. They typically now I'm not saying this to be um, salacious or to um, insult anybody. But when you look at some of the women, such as in the Bill Cosby case or I see this shit. Um, even one of our good friends was joking about the lady um, on the R. Kelly documentary, uh, you know, making fun of her appearance. And yeah, a lot of these women are not t- to. OK, I want to say this delicately to general consensus is that these women aren't extremely attractive. Right. But that's exactly the type of a woman that. A sexual predator targets because it's almost like I'm a I'm a liken it to if I were to cheat on my spouse. Right. Not that I would ever do that. But if I were and I cheat with someone that is less attractive than them and y'all know where I'm going with this. And that's to say when when and if you get caught, it's like you're going to say to your significant other, your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever it is. Why would I cheat on you with someone who looks like that? Just because of the way they look, they're they're already going to be discredited. And it is scientifically proven that people who are viewed as more attractive, they have more opportunity. They're treated uh, more fair and that they're more believable. 
even though that's not necessarily the case, that's that's still why a lot of these sexual predators do target people who may not be deemed as very attractive to society. Because if shit ever hits the fan, it's come on, I'm Bill Cosby. Look at these. Look at these women, you know. So that that's just my little two cent there. Um, so uh, I guess. Well, I want I want to touch on that real quick too. Something else that that is that plays into that is a lot of sexual abusers. Yes, they're they're you, you know they're obviously abusing you sexually, <laughs> but um, a major issue. I mean, a major uh, factor behind that is not exactly all sexual. A lot of this is about control and predators. And I, there's something else I know from, you know, firsthand from someone close watching an issue. Um, predators prey. That's what they do. They prey upon people they deem as weaker. They prey upon women, people who are vulnerable. That's why you see more of a, uh, a higher rate of sexual abuse amongst women in poverty. They prey on children who seem to be weak and can't really defend themselves and may not tell. Uh, women who may have low self-esteem because they feel they're not attractive. So that's also a major factor into what you see with a lot of sexual abusers and the people that they target. They target, they they go after the easiest target. And, you know, that's, that's pretty common. So when people say things like, oh, why would he want to rape her? Why would she, why would she do that to him? Why would he do this? Well, that's, that's also a major reason because they're easy. And since they have low self-esteem, they, they may not be inclined to report you. And that's, that's, that's sad. But, you know, when people say things like she's ugly, why would he, he's not cheating on her. I mean, uh, raping her, keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, man. As, and as you say that, um, that kind of got me to jump on Google real quick. Because what what I do want to find out is the psyche, I guess, behind how sexual predators choose their prey. I mean, I know, like you said, one of one of the thing is one of the things are they target people who have low self-esteem, people who come from abusive backgrounds, foster children being one of them. We actually did an episode about that over at Black Law and Legal Eyes where we were talking about um, CPS and how these foster families take in these foster kids. Uh, some of them do it just for the check. Some of them do it uh, for more nefarious reasons, such as the ability to abuse a child who doesn't have family structure, who, for all intents and purposes, don't doesn't have anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and... I mean, it makes sense. It just totally makes sense. And another potential target, too, is, you know, uh, at high schools or amongst, uh, you know, uh, prostitutes or amongst strippers. Uh, you know, I mean, they're everybody. Look, let's let's be real. We all went to school and it was always a girl that everyone considered, quote, a hoe. The girl that was considered fast. The girl who had a bad reputation, whether that was true or not. We all knew it. Um, they're also targeted for sex abuse a lot, too, because. They are also seen as vulnerable because that plays into the low self-esteem angle. Uh, you know, you do something to this woman, they may feel, oh, well, she goes and tells on me. Nobody going to believe her. They'll just say she's a hoe. And mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Um, and it's just yet another one of those things where, you know, society kind of labels people a certain way, whether it's deserved or not. And others take advantage of it. And once again, like I said in the first, uh, you know, with the first dad is that uh, that plays into why... 63% of sexual assaults go unreported. 
Right. And that that is something that we need to get better at as a society. I encourage women who have been sexually assaulted or faced any form of sexual abuse to speak out. And when I say speak out, I know a lot of people like to go to social media, the Internet. Um, Yeah. You know, I was uh, harassed by a co-worker. I was um, inappropriately touched by my boss. I was walking down the street and, you know, things of that nature. And some of them even put uh, these celebrities on blast on social media, which now, granted, I don't have a problem with that. Um, Yeah. Put your attacker on blast. Sure. But be very careful in doing so. Um, What I would recommend is getting the authorities involved, getting getting a police report filed, because what you're doing when you get on social media and you say, like, for instance, Torre, the guy who um, conducted a majority, well, a, a, a large portion of the R. Kelly documentary. He's also the dude that interviewed R. Kelly when he asked R. Kelly, so do you like teenage girls? And R. Kelly looks at the man with a straight face and says, wait, what do you mean by teenage girls? Can you define teenage girls? And it's like you would think that this brother would be someone who is for the cause, I guess, you know, as far as just using his platform to shed some light on R. Kelly and other other instances of sexual assault. Come to find out. Guess what? He's a fucking sexual assaulter, too. He um, there was a D DM exchange that one of his former makeup artists posted online recently, like this week. And she was telling him, like, hey, are you sure you're the right person to be speaking about this R. Kelly situation, especially given our past? And, you know, she referred to him as Harvey or whatever. And um, now this is all I'm just reciting this from the Joe Button podcast. I'm. I didn't go through and read them all, but what you're doing when you do that and you're putting people on blast online, it might feel like the right thing to do because you can get thousands, hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of eyes to to look at this and shine a spotlight on that person. But what you're also doing is you're tipping your hand. So now what Torrey can do or anybody in that situation, they know that you're on to them. They know at at least in part, some of what you know, because you're divulging this information to strangers on social media, right? These people have crisis management teams. They have attorneys. They have they have all kinds of resources to where I just I personally don't think um, some may disagree with me and feel free and let me know. Let me know why. But I personally don't think that you should go straight to social media. I'd say go to the authorities, find legal representation, because if you tip your hand and let this person know that you're talking, that that could be a big, big problem for you in the long run. If you ever did want to take any legal action. Now, if you don't plan on taking legal action, sure, go for it. Uh, Thoughts? I agree. You, You said tipping your hand and that's that's pretty much what you're doing. You know, I I know the traumas of going to the authorities, going to the police, you know, coming out in the open. But if you go to social media first, you give this man or this offender ample opportunity to come up with explanations, especially with these lawyers. What do we see all the time when something comes out that a celebrity said uh, questionable? They always say, oh, I was hacked. 
Or, you know, if I was his lawyer, I would come back and say, um, this is obviously a faked uh, exchange. You know, Photoshop and digital manipulation of images is pretty easy. Yeah. So, you know, if you can tip your hand, if you just let them know this is what you did, I'm telling everyone because you give them all the time in the world to come up with an excuse, an explanation, cover their bases and move on. So I did hear that story as well. And I thought the same thing, Dan, you know, that that's to me, I don't think social media and the Internet is the best platform for things like that. But sadly, we see a lot of people going to social media with highly personal, highly sensitive things, especially uh, involving legal matters that would any if they did have a lawyer, they probably would be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> because lawyers do not like you telling people what's going on in the case because it becomes compromised at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I I found this article here. So I found the article while P was talking and as much as I hate to just read it uh verbatim, it 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 came to me. I want to go back and I want to rehash just for a, a second um how sexual predators choose their victims, right? So the article is from a very uh, credible source. It's a very credible and popular website amongst the uh, mental health community. It's called psychologytoday.com. Great website all around. So the article reads, and I'm I'm just going to be kind of skimming through it here. The thinking process of sexual predators with enhanced power, the predator reveals himself. So behavior results from the way a person thinks. A person's thinking processes largely define his character. In considering how to prevent further victimization of employees in the workplace, it is essential to understand the mental makeup of the victimizer. Sexual harassment and assault, rape, uh, etc. are all obviously sex offenses, but they have little to do with sex itself, as P just said. Uh, The people who are making headlines for their exploitation of women employed by their company likely have had no shortage of opportunities for consensual sex. Sexual predators have plenty of sexual experience, but it is shallow. Sex is a controlled operation for them. They ordain the time and place of the encounter, seeking a conquest is the overriding aspect. The perpetrator cares very little what his partner experiences. The idea is to conquer a body, not to have a relationship. Achieving his objective provides him with a buildup. He has sex on his mind a great deal of the day and time, looking at females as potential targets. In his approach to potential sexual targets, the individual regards himself as irresistible and seeks to have this affirmed. He is certain that any person from any person whom he finds desirable will be attracted to him. A friendly smile may confirm that he is desired and that he can proceed proceed with his conquest. This thinking occurs even when, huh, that's that's interesting. Okay. This thinking occurs even when even with complete strangers whom he quickly regards as his property. The person who exposes himself hopes to entice someone into a sexual act. He seeks an admiring gaze. He may do this by walking around naked. His experiences, he experiences excitement in fantasizing and the exhibitionism itself. 
Okay, skipping forward. Here we go. This is the part I wanted to get to. The workplace provides an area for these behaviors. The perpetrator has leverage over his victim, who is a subordinate. He knows that she is unlikely to inform because she thinks she will not be believed, that she will lose her job or perhaps lose opportunity to advance at her chosen in her chosen line of work. The victim also thinks that the people in charge will support the perpetrator, especially if he's well known and important to the reputation and success of the organization Four thinking patterns figure prominently in the commission of for shit. Four thinking patterns figure prominently in the commission of sexual offenses in the workplace. The pursuit of power and control, a sense of uniqueness, deception, an ability to compartmentalize and shut off the fear of consequences. Now, perpetrators of sexual harassment, assault and rape know right from wrong. They are fully aware of the potential consequences of being apprehended. They have an uncanny ability to ignore them long enough to do what they want, all while maintaining a sense of invincibility, as we saw with the Bill Cosby's, with the R. Kelly's, the Harvey Weinstein's. They eliminate considerations of conscience behaving as they please without regard to emotional, physical or other damage they might inflict as the issue. This is in closing as the issue of sexual predators in the workplace has become increasingly prominent. There are calls to provide employees with special training to minimize this behavior in the future. Such training will not change the character i.e. the thinking process of predators. What it may succeed in is establishing clear policies and deterrence so that potential predators may be deterred from engaging in this extremely destructive behavior at the workplace. So that's just kind of, I guess, just a quick look into um, a sexual predator's mind. I know it focused on the workplace a lot. Uh, Pete, does that um, strike up anything with you? You bring up the workplace, and I, I gave a reference to a website earlier called nsvrc.org. I'm, I don't have the actual abbreviation um, at my disposal right now, but um, they stated that 8% of rapes occur while the victim is at work. So, you know, that 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 apparently is a major issue in the workplace, and it goes beyond just, you know, sexual harassment. And um, in 8 out of 10 cases of rape, the victim knows the perpetrator. So that also kind of makes sense, especially when you factor in that, you stated a minute ago, Dan, the occurrence of it at work. So that's that's kind of alarming to me because I had no idea about that number. You know, I knew about some other numbers in other places like at, at college. Campus sexual assault is, is at epidemic levels. Um, you know, I saw a stat from the same place that says uh, 20 to 25 percent of college women are victims of forced sex, 15 percent of men. Um, and once again, uh, more than 90% of sexual assault victims on college campus don't report the assault. And I don't have the stat about the workplace reporting, but I can probably uh, safely assume <laughs> that uh, a lot of women just simply don't report the instances of work sexual assault because like we stated earlier and like Dan read a second ago, it's a power thing. And let's face it, your subordinate most likely is not going to be the one to try to rape you at work. It's probably going to be a superior or someone at an equal position that feels as though if you tell, I will ruin your career, I will fire you, 
Uh, you owe me something. It goes back to that whole uh, demonstration uh, and application of power and conquest. And it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, I was I was stunned, Dan, to see how many of these rapes actually occur at work. You would think that would be a fairly safe place, but apparently not. Yeah, man, I, I work in a really, really toxic work environment. It's uh comprised of mainly. All right. It's in. Of course, everything's compartmentalized. Um, The IT department is mainly men. Upper management, again, mainly men, mainly white men. Um, But majority of the company are hourly employees. They uh, they're majority of them. um, Ninety five percent, I'd like to say, are women, are women of color at that. Now, I, I've seen and heard some inappropriate things at, at the job, things that if they were said anywhere else, like let's take a company like, I don't know, Google or somewhere that takes human resource shit serious. Yeah, you'll be terminated on the spot for a lot of the shit that I hear and see there, right? Yeah, fire department, police department, another one. Yeah, absolutely. Like any, well, fire department don't give a shit about HR shit, <laughs> as as well, you told us many. They times. do, depending on they do, depending on who was around, who saw it, and how bad their press would be if they don't do anything. Right, right. That's when they care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, being in this environment, I, I do see a lot, a lot of inappropriate things. One comes to mind: top level executive, right? He got a brand new office chair and it's a office chair that reclines. For those of you uh, who are looking at me on video right now, picture like, you know, this office chair that I'm sitting in now and it can recline like a car seat almost to where you're going flat. So he's demoing this chair in front of everyone at, at the particular office that they were located at. I was there doing IT work, of course. And He looks over at the accountant and says, you know, all I need now is a pretty girl to come sit on my lap. You want to come sit on my lap? The accountant is a married woman who has a family of her own. And it's like, dude, you're a top level executive. This is an accountant who is technically your subordinate. Why do you think that's okay to say? And we do get away like there's a group of us. Yeah. There's a group of us that do do and say inappropriate shit. We're all friends outside of work as well. So it's no different than like me and you talking, P. Let's let's you know, some of the inappropriate shit we say It's like, yeah, it's cool because we know each other. So if we were at work, sure, if no one else was around, we probably still be like, man, look at that motherfucker, man. Ooh, that old duck foot bill face looking ass. You know what I'm saying? But hey, hey, speak for yourself. I never say anything offensive to or in reference to anyone. Huh, yeah. Well, well, ask Jay Holiday about that, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, yeah, is but we're all equals for a top level executive to say that to someone who he does not have that type of relationship uh, with. And that that's not the only thing. I, I'll just throw one more thing out here. And that's there was um one time where she was talking about how cute some guy that was coming on to her was she, you know, was like, uh, oh, yeah, he you know, he told me how pretty I was and uh, that I was a milf. And, you know, I was kind of disgusted and happy at the same time. Like, wow, you know, I, I still got it. 
And so he he turns around, same executive says, wait, you mean he's moving in on my territory? Everyone paused for a second, looks at each other and then looks at this dude and he sees nothing fucking wrong with what he had just said. So my homegirl looks at him and reiterates what he literally just said. Somebody else is moving in on your territory. So he looks and says, <laughs> yeah, I was just joking and walks away. Dude, you're again, top level executive. We're all his subordinates. Well, I got a story similar to that. A good friend of mine um, works for a major corporation, worldwide corporation. And one of the CEOs, uh, one of the, I'm sorry, one of the executives on the board um, went to her and, you know, they were taking pictures and photographs at some event, some company event at a big meeting. And this guy is one of the executives of this major corporation, major company, and told my friend, hey, you know, come on, take this picture with me. And then as they were posing for the picture, this guy says, yeah, I, I like to have you guys in my picture. You, 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 you girls are my eye candy. He pretty much stated you, you, you girls can be my eye candy in this picture, mm-hmm. you know, and that's from a high level executive. A lot of these companies are good old boy networks and they get away with this type of stuff. And sadly, a lot of women who are afraid uh, won't speak up or if a woman is a victim and wants to get support, a lot of women or other college, you know, people who are there may may not be inclined to speak up and help when it comes to EEOC matters. Because, look, face it, we know that you're not supposed to retaliate after EEOC claims, but we know that they retaliate. It is very hard to prove retaliation. And that's just a sad uh, scenario that far too many Women in the workplace have to deal with that type of treatment with a lack of support. Yeah. Workplace sexual harassment. That's that's like a hotbed. And then I'm trying to I'm trying to think I'm racking my brain real quick, trying to think of other places. I mean, military. Oh, yeah. That man, that's that's a big one. Terrible in the military. It's probably the worst environment for uh, sexual assault that goes unpunished. Yeah, man. I saw an article about that today, too, like when I was just kind of um, brushing up for this show. But, um, man, I, I don't have the notes in front of me. Well, I got one for you. All right. The, um, the recent comatose woman who had a baby. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> she was in a coma for 10 years, and I saw another report that stated this woman has been in a coma since she was a child. So... You know, she pretty much spent her entire life through puberty as a, a in a coma and turn kind of find out someone in that center obviously was raping her. And that once again goes back to that whole power thing. You know, if you would essentially have sex with uh, someone who is in a vegetative state, there is absolutely no way that you can be just aroused, you know, by that person. There must be some other factor that is causing this type of behavior. And that's where that whole control thing comes into play once again. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm sorry, but that to me, and I said this, um, I forget who I was talking to, but I said what he did, the guy who raped the woman that was in a coma impregnated her, right? There were so many points of failure in that entire story, but that's no what he did to me is no different than necrophilia. I, I I was just getting ready to say that's like a that's like a stone's throw away from necrophilia right yeah. there. Yeah. And let real quick, in case someone doesn't know what necrophilia is, that is having sexual relations with a dead person, with hell. a corpse. Yeah, man. And I think it, we talked about that too on Black Law and Legalized. There was some nurse that got caught 
having sex with a patient who had just passed away. The husband came back to see her one last time and caught the the male nurse having sex with her. It, it that's disgusting. And can you imagine? All right, I know this woman's been in a coma for quite some time, right? But can you imagine coming out of a coma? This was my question. My question when Becky and I first saw this was, why did they continue the pregnancy? I'm sorry. In that case, I know, you know, I know your views on abortion and how you feel about abortion. And I know many people uh, agree, but I'm sorry. In that case, they should have terminated that pregnancy. Right now. Well, that's yeah, that's that. That is what abortion, the original abortion law from Roe versus Wade was all about. Uh, instances of rape and incest. And I would, I'm, you know, I would think that that is a rape. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that definitely shouldn't have been, you know, I hate to say this, uh, that that just should, shouldn't have been continued. This woman was essentially brain dead. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me that she's supposed to, first of all, Dan, are we supposed to believe that no one in that place noticed that this woman has a baby growing in her stomach <laughs> that's supposed to check on her multiple times a day? Exactly. And that, that was my big issue. Like when I, when I first said that to Becky, I said, uh, yo, they should not have, they should have terminated that pregnancy. And she agreed. But then as the article, the news story continues, they're like, and nobody knew that, you know, she was even pregnant. No one spotted it until she gave birth. That is bullshit. Someone in a vegetative state, they will not put on the amount of weight that a full term pregnancy puts on to people. Now, whether it be 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, that's just not going to happen with somebody that's in a vegetative state because, yo, the all the all the nutrition that they get. I'm not a doctor, but I, I do know a little bit of uh physiology, I guess. But uh, is that physiology or biology or both? It encompasses a lot. I would say biology. I, I, I know from my days working out as in order to gain weight, you, you have to have an excess amount of calories. In order to lose, oh, I would say physiology. Then, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you have to uh, to gain weight. You have to have an excess amount of calories to lose weight. You have to have a cal- caloric deficit, right? They're not feeding these people that are in comas for them to gain the, this massive amount of weight in a few months. And being that she was in a coma for quite some time, I'm pretty sure that her weight did not fluctuate more than a handful of pounds, maybe three, four, five pounds over the course, you know, over the duration of her being in a coma. So that's why I call bullshit on no one knowing that. Well, I mean, didn't they notice that she wasn't coming on her period anymore? You know, didn't they notice when they would wash her that she had a belly and something moving? You can see a baby moving inside the belly. Right. When you're at a certain uh, stage in a pregnancy, I, I just find, I think that that's a cover up job. I think that people that were in the know were only given access to this woman to try to conceal it. Cause I can't think of any other reason as to how so many people now, had just totally missed this. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing right now. I, and I also looked at this from the, the perpetrator's point of view, not, not saying the crime, but, if you're the only one with access to this woman, it's obvious you're the one that's providing care. If you know that this woman's pregnant, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to terminate a pregnancy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, I don't know, man. That, that story just doesn't sit well with me. But it, it does speak to, again, sexual assault and rape. Can you imagine being in a coma as a woman? 
waking up after two, three, four years, however long you're in a coma, to find out that you you had your first child while you're in the coma. You were raped. You don't know who the father is like and you don't know where the baby is because, you know, who knows where the hell that baby's going to go, man. Can I, I can't imagine being told that, you know, I hope that woman never wakes up out of that coma. That sounds bad, but I really hope she doesn't because I mean, you're trying to rebuild your life from from scratch after coming out of a coma for a long time. And then, you, you know, on top of that challenge, you have, you know, trying to earn money, figure out how to move and operate and talk and communicate and and live your life again, only to find out that you also gave birth to a baby and you were raped and penetrated. And you have no idea how many times, how many people, by who. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I... <laughs> You know, we talk about mental health being bad for victims as it is. I mean, geez, I can't even imagine that type of scenario. Nah. And if the family decides to to keep the baby uh, and when I say the family, I mean the victim's family. That's also another unexpected, unnecessary expense uh, financially on, on them. I mean, they have enough to worry about with trying to keep their loved one fucking alive do you know how much it costs to keep someone who is in a coma alive because at some point insurance is going to say fuck you guys you got to pull the plug and I've, I've seen that at least twice in my life where the hospitals or the insurance companies are like look we're not paying for this anymore this woman has been there for years so somebody's paying somebody something so there, there's definitely you know, so it's, it's another financial hit. So, yeah, that, that was just one of many fucked up situations that it's like this whole year, last year, high bet of sexual assault and uh, victimization, victimizing uh, women, women of color, like going back to R. Kelly again. Uh, w- w- what's your take on that? Well, you, you know, you brought up R. Kelly and we've been seeing a lot of social media exchanges amongst friends, uh, you know, talking about. Some defending R. Kelly, some hanging him out to dry. And it's kind of a epi- uh, not I'm sorry, not epidemic. It's kind of evident as to the issues amongst, you know, the black community when it comes to accepting, acknowledging and holding sex abuse accountable. Um, you know, in a study from a, is a book called No Secrets, No Lies, How Black Families Can Heal from Sexual Abuse by author and journalist Robin D. Stone. Uh, She states that in a survey of adults, one in four women and one in six men report being sexually abused as a child. And um, I did see that as also one in seven women and one in 53, I think, men total in the entire life report being sexually assaulted. So think about that. One in one in between one in four and one in seven women will be sexually abused. Um, But, you know, the surprise that many people may think I'm I'm going to say something that look. All of our, all of us black folk, we heard this before. Black folk don't do that. Black folk don't do that. Well, a lot of times that's just a an unhealthy misrepresentation because according to this book I just told you, um, it says that um, many African Americans think that sexual abuse is more typical among white people, but stats show that blacks are sexually victimized in childhood at or about the same rate as whites. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of amazing that the, the rates are pretty similar, but involving the authorities is is a lot different. Um, you know, this book also states that African-American women are less likely than white women to involve the police. 
Um, yeah, that can range from fears about betraying your family because uh, in, I want to say, 95% of cases of sexual abuse amongst black children, 95% uh, of the of the time the offender was an acquaintance or a family member. So, you know, I've seen this happen before where someone was molested or abused by a family member. They either spoke up and got ridiculed or disciplined or ignored, or they just didn't say anything. And, you know, that stems from a fear of betraying the family, turning abusers into the system. And, uh, you know, sadly, a lot of us tend to hush it up and call it uh, that's family business. That's family business. And, you know, that's a shame <laughs> because we have a lot of issues in our community that we can actually address. But because we like to uh, we, I'm sorry, we have these certain fears and I'm not saying these fears are unjust because face it, we have a horrible history in this country when it comes to equal treatment and police. Uh, so to distrust the system is, you know, expected, but we can't ignore the rampant sexual abuse in our community. Um, you know, we, we have issues with um, homophobia in our community. According to this book, again, 14% of all young victims of sexual assault are males and 20% of sexual abuse of boys is committed by women. And among African-Americans, homophobia perpetuates the denial of sexual abuse among boys. What that means is, you know, we have Lavernius Coles. I don't know if you guys remember him. Old Redskins wide receiver, New York Jets, Florida State. He came out well mm -hmm. after his pro football career and stated that he was repeatedly molested and sexually assaulted and raped by um, his by his father. And for black men to come out and say that and be honest about it is rare because, frankly, the, then you get the typical, oh, well, he must be gay. And, you know, once again, that's unacceptable because we can't say we want to fix an issue, but then ignore the same issue and ridicule people mm -hmm. who suffer from that issue. And Dan, you can only imagine that you become isolated and lonely. And that is another major, major uh, trigger of mental um, unhealthiness because, you know, you, you can't deal with this type of stuff alone. Damn, man, that, that's a lot of um, that's, that's a lot of interesting stuff. I, I vaguely remember that about Lavernus Coles uh, coming out saying that there's a, a handful of other um, people that like, for instance, even Charlemagne, the God, the. Um, radio the morning radio host on the breakfast club he he's come out and said that he was molested as a child and um ricky williams yeah was molested and raped by his father yeah yeah then wait was he you sure yeah yeah he was mentally he i mean he was sexually abused and raped by his father growing up and you know he has that uh social anxiety disorder and he had a lot of those uh issues with being isolated and alone and he, he you know he struggled oh. a lot too with that so, yeah, he was raped by his dad when he was a kid. Yeah. Damn, man. He don't really talk about it much. I, I, I forgot. I remember that that documentary where he said his father would make him stand in the bathroom with him and like take pictures of his dick or something like that. And mm -hmm. that, that that just disgusts me. Anybody, anybody that has any gets any sexual pleasure from children that that fucking disgusts me. And to take it even further. This this is something that has always bugged me, right? All right, children like to sit on their parents' laps, right? Um, or maybe not like to, but it's common. It's commonplace to see a child sitting on their parents' lap. the The problem I have with that is that is it, it's almost okaying that behavior. That it's okay to sit on a grown up's lap, right? Now the parents are like, whatever. That's my kid, you know. But 
at the same time, that kid can then develop a, a sense of uh, of normalcy that it's, you know, OK to sit on another adult's lap. I used to have that problem with like my my little cousins and shit. They would want to crawl and, you know, sit, sit on the couch, sit on my lap. Nah, man. Fuck off me. Nah, I don't play that shit. I, I hate seeing children. And when I say children, I mean toddlers sitting in adults laps. I, I just find that highly inappropriate. Maybe it's because I don't have children, but I, I, I find that just very inappropriate. And I, I don't think that type of behavior should be instilled in the children that it's okay to sit in an adult's lap. I don't even like that Santa Claus shit. Like I wouldn't let my Well, I don't have a problem with with your own kids. Um I mean obviously I think there should be an age <laughs> limit. Right. Um and you know, as a parent, if you aren't telling your kids not to just go sit in anybody's lap, then you're not doing a good job. Uh but you know, I, I just I think that's one of those things that I've seen people say recently that I don't really um, put a lot of stock into. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people like to find cut and dry reasons as to why things happen. And let's face it, I got a lot of kids. We, I've noticed how fathers are automatically um, looked at with a, a, a little, you know, with, a, with mistrust from doctors. Um, you know, by that same logic, you know, when you give your children a bath. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you change your children's diaper, when you have to, you know, look at them to see if they got a rash or anything like that, you know, that's a major difference between just giving your kids the idea that, oh, it's okay to just be doing that amongst any old body, amongst any old person. Um, You know, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it because 99.999% of the time, it's nothing nefarious behind it. Now, you do have some pervs out there, but ultimately, I, I don't have an issue with that because, you know... From my experience, just because a kid sits on their parents lap or their grandparents lap doesn't mean that they typically are going to go sit on someone's else, someone else's lap. And if they do, I think that that means the parent obviously, obviously didn't make it clear to their child that no, you don't sit on your cousin's laps. No, you don't go sit on some random person's lap. But I'm with you on the Santa Claus thing. I don't I don't like that. Let me let's face it, dude. Santa ain't real. And when your kids are sitting on Santa Claus's lap, he's really sitting on some dude named Bob's lap that uh probably had five beers before he came in to work that morning. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I've, I've just personally, I've always had a problem with it. Now, again, not to say I have a problem with a child sitting on their parents' laps. I just personally, I think it's inappropriate for a child to sit on a, a cousin, an uncle, a, a family friend's lap. Like, I, 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 just, I don't know. It, it it just bothers me. And I have a. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree real quick. I think I don't I don't disagree with that. I think it's more appropriate for that person if they want to hold their nephew, niece or, or whatever to put them on their thigh, sit them on their knee. Right. You know, uncles would do the little horse thing. They put you on your knee and bomb their leg. That's that's. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Man, I can't even look extended at that family. Shit. I'm you know, that's that's that, that's kind of extreme. I think, too, with it with it, with extended family. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. Dan. Man, I can't even look at that damn on the knee shit no more after the Cosby show. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Like, man, damn. nah, nigga, we ain't playing airplane, man. <laughs> Man, but yeah, so to look at another aspect too, since since we're looking at groups of people uh, such as minorities, um, mentally ill, mentally mentally ill people have a very high rate of sexual crimes happening against them as well. Uh, people with autism, right? You you would think that well, one, let's face it, nobody's safe, but people with autism, people with Down syndrome. 
people who have um you know other other mental illnesses i'm I'm trying to like I, I saw this study and i cannot for the life of me remember every single uh mental illness type and the the rates of sexual abuse but i'm just throwing these out here autism um what, what do they call it man when you're autist autistic and you can't speak uh it's just it's a lot of different kinds. You got Asperger's, which is on the low end of the spectrum. You got severe autism, which is, you know, way at the, uh, you know, the most severe end of the autism spectrum. So it's it's a wide range of classes that autism falls under. I think it's um some like non-communication. Auth- oh, yeah. Yeah. Non-communicative. Yeah. There you go. So they, they actually suffer, you know, a lot of sexual assaults, too, because they don't communicate. They cannot communicate. So that makes them perfect targets for, again, sexual predators, people with Down syndrome as well. They they lack the capacity to understand exactly what's happening to them and what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So they can't they can't conceptualize any of this stuff. They make perfect targets. So uh, people out here who do have, you know, severely mentally ill or handicapped. I don't I don't want to call them mentally. Ill. I'll call them handicapped people. They they are the target of a lot of these sick motherfuckers out here. There's an like I said, there's a high rate of sexual abuse against them, which think about it. If the dude going back to a few minutes ago when we were talking about the guy um, raping the woman who was in a coma the perfect victims are the ones who can't talk children the the these pedophiles these sick motherfuckers that get off you know fucking with children and molesting children children again they don't fully understand what's going on and the perfect victim is someone who can't can't articulate what's going on who doesn't know what's going on who doesn't get it and this is one of one of the things that I came across. It was an article. There was a study at um uh the the name of the school slipping my slipping now, but it was a 10 year study. They interviewed hundreds of sexual assault victims, right, who were sexually assaulted as children under we're, we're talking under 10 years old. It takes a long time because at, let's say, seven years old, eight years old, you don't know what's going on. You you have nothing to reference what's happening to you at this point too. So it takes many years, you get older and then you can, they call it reconceptualize the traumatic event uh, that happened, you know, in your life, which would be that sexual assault, let's say rape for instance. And that's when you really truly understand that, damn, what happened to me was wrong. Like as a kid, you might know this is kind of off and it's not right. But again, what what point of reference do you have? So then starts the the snowball of of just all, all kinds of things. There's there's a process. Um, I can't think of the name of this, uh, this study that was published. But once you once you get to that part where you reconceptualize and you realize this was wrong, the next thing is a sense of betrayal. This person betrayed me because, as P said, it's usually family member or someone, you know, that that you're close to. Right. And the worst one is is the third part in this step, which is blaming yourself. Do you know how many people who are victims of sexual crimes, sexual assaults and rapes 
blame themselves. Now, granted, you were a child. There there probably wasn't nothing you can do. But you look back and then you have all the what ifs um, or the whys, which why? Why did I continue to let this happen? Why didn't I say anything? Why did I keep going back to uncle so-and-so's house? Why did I do this? Why? You know, this is all my fault. This happened because I did this. No, it's the it's the the perpetrator's fault. It's the adult in this situation. It's their fault. And again, I hate to keep going back to this fucker R. Kelly, but all these all the people on social media, where were the parents at? Well, the parents, you know, knew what they were getting into. That that shit does not excuse R. Kelly's team. He had he had a part in it. It doesn't excuse R. Kelly. Like, stop shifting the fucking focus. This dude is a piece of shit, a pedophile. And y'all want to talk about y'all want to talk about trivial shit. Like, you know, that's the equivalent to me, at least, is saying, um, okay, yeah, my my sister just got raped by somebody. Yeah, but what was the weather like outside, though? Like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? People aren't willingly signing their children up to get raped. That You need to keep the focus on the predator. It's the predator's fault. The, you know, oh, well, all these people are enabling uh, R. Kelly. No, R. Ke- if R. Kelly wasn't such a sick fuck, these people would be enabling him to do whatever the fuck else it is he's doing. Like, yeah, man, people always want to change the conversation. So if you've ever been, you know, touched as a child, molested, raped as a child, it's not your fault. And there's more than likely nothing you could have done different because what information did you have at the time? Seven-year-olds aren't equipped. It's never okay to blame the victim. Yeah, It's never okay to blame the victim. And that's what you see so much of. And referencing that douchebag R. Kelly again, I've seen people say stupid things like, oh, when y'all girls is 14, 15, y'all knew that y'all had y'all little boyfriend that was 20, 21. And I'm laughing because so now we hold the behavior of a 15-year-old on the same level as the behavior of a 22, 23, 25, and 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. So so because this child is 15 and got themselves into a situation, we're not, we're not, we're going to just excuse the adult there. You know, it's just simple. People that come up with this stupid ass shit make me mad because obviously many of these people probably don't have anyone they know or they ignored someone they know that's close to them that have been sexually abused or assaulted. I know, you know, very close how... The treatment goes and the, the, the questions are always, well, what did she do? Or, you know what, boy, you know how boys are or that's normal for a boy. Or why did she have that on? You know, wh- what did she say? And those that that is almost always what you hear as opposed to I don't care what uh, she had on. I don't care if she had on a halter top and a booty uh, showing skirt. That does not give you the right to force yourself upon a woman. And when 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 people say that. BS as an as a justification, it's a slap in the face to all men because it makes us all look like we're just dimwits who who can't think um, outside of our dick, and yeah. it's unacceptable. And just like you said, Dan, anybody who is inclined to uh, blame themselves, put these what if scenarios in their heads, or have someone telling them, "Well, why did you do this? Why did you do that? You shouldn't have done it. You should have said no." You know, if you have that person in your life. Tell them to go fuck themselves yeah, because they're not for you and you don't owe them anything. You owe yourself and don't sit there and let people tell you why you're wrong, because ultimately that only creates um, more mental health issues, more depression, 
more isolation, more loneliness can lead to more substance abuse, more reckless behavior. And, um, you know, it's just it's just a shame, man, it, it, that adults tend to think that way. Yeah. And I, I'm going to just piggyback and add add this to what you just said. Also, I know I mentioned therapy, going to therapy or going to psychology. Don't let other people tell you how to heal. No, no one's been in your shoes. And even though someone might have had a similar situation, a similar thing happened to them, they are not you. Be that, you know, being being that that's the case. Also, like I said earlier, people, certain people handle trauma differently. So don't let anybody tell you how to heal. You know, it, we just can't. Therapy is recommended. That's all I can say. But therapy is not for everybody. So and also too, another thing mm-hmm. about therapy, um, just like all doctors, just like all chefs, just like all police officers, everybody's not the best. So if you go to a doctor, <laughs> this is something else I know from someone very close to me, uh, firsthand experience when talking about being subject to rape uh, by a spouse was told by a psychologist, well, what did what, what did you do? Or, well, you, you're the wife. You're supposed to give give him what he wants. And it's not rape. So if you go to a doctor and they're telling you things like that, find another doctor um, because you, you got to be real careful. It's a, it's a sad thing, but um, sometimes a bad experience with um, trying to get help can uh, dissuade someone from seeking continued help or trying to find better help. Mm-hmm. Don't let that, dis- you know, uh, uh, discourage you. If, if you feel as though you need to find a good doctor, find one. If you feel as though this doctor is not serving your needs, find another one. But like Dan said, I highly recommend it. I'm not. A, look, I'm not a doctor. We're not experts here. Um, all we can do is say we recommend seeking out the proper help that you need, because this is just frankly something that as much as people are macho and say, oh, I can deal with this on my own. A lot of the times the the the, the, the repercussions from abuse aren't always evident until someone else points them out to you. And a lot of time that comes from intensive, long months, weeks of uh, intensive therapy with a psychologist to get to the bottom of some of your issues. Yeah. Yeah, man. I agreed. Um, some of the let's just uh, quickly look at some of the types of mental illnesses that you see from people who were sexually assaulted. Now, our theme here at a few screws loose is as we talk about almost every show is PTSD, um, anxiety, depression. Those are those are the things that we we suffer from, you know, ourselves. Uh, are, are there any other mental illnesses that people who have been sexually assaulted face that you know of, P? Well, common um, effects of sexual abuse tend to be, um, you know, we discussed a couple of them earlier, like PTSD. Um, but the most common are like like we stated, PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, substance abuse, drug abuse, self-mutilation, uh, promiscuous behavior, reckless behavior, um, you know, suicide, uh, anxiety, you know, that those are some of the most common effects of, of, of uh, sexual abuse. And, um, you know, like people may not even Think about eating disorders or things like that, you know, self-harm. I mean, we all we often, you know, figure self-harm as being, oh, I cut myself or, you know, I, I, I uh, harm myself. But that could also be, like we stated a minute ago, unhealthy relationships, treating yourself unhealthy, reckless behavior, 
you know, uh, breaking laws, taking dangerous risks. You know, we discussed some of those things on our uh, mania uh, wrestling with mania episode. Um, so, you know, those are just some things to look out for. It's not always evident. Um, listen to those around you who are close. Listen to criticisms or concerns that someone may have about your behavior because you may not even realize it. Yeah, I I don't really have much, much to add to that. I mean, that that about sums it up. And uh, what I will say is sometimes with any traumatic event, sometimes you don't feel the effects of any you, you don't feel the effects of what happened to you or the effects from what happened to you until it could be months later. It can be years later. It might be a decade later. Um, you know, again, going, going back to, I'm going to keep saying this is each individual handles trauma differently. Um, I, I'm trying to think P I know. All right. So I know we, we both know people who have, who are victims and survivors of sexual assaults and sexual crimes. Right. Uh, I, I do have this one friend and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing her story. Um, she was living with her mother, a single parent. Her uncle was molesting her at the time from the ages of like nine to 12, uh, straight up molesting. And she goes to tell her mother, Hey, uncle so-and-so has been molesting me, touching me inappropriately. So mother wasn't listening, swept it under the rug. As P said, you know, we tend to do in our communities, right? So this molestation went on and went on and it went on for three. I think it was three years. And it got to the point where she's like, my mom's not believing me. What do I do now? I don't really have any other family. It's just me and my mother. So she tells the school, she goes to the school. She tells the school is either the principal or a, a counselor or something at the school that my uncle's been molesting me for years. School does what they do. They call the police. There is an investigation. The mother denies that this ever happened. The uncle, of course, denies that this ever happened. And the mother, her mother gets her request that she's removed from her home, basically. Like, you know, my daughter's running around making up all these crazy stories about my my brother. There's I don't want her living here. So she got placed into foster care. And as we said at the top of the show and in a a previous show, uh, when we're talking about CPS on black law, that's not really a good place for people who are abused, uh, abused, sexually abused or any type of abuse. So she's bounced around from the in the foster care system, from foster home to foster home. The abuse continued with these foster parents. So she ran away. She ran away and ended up staying with who she thought was a family friend in in the projects. And um, this guy was, for all intents and purposes, he was a pimp. So what he would do was he would drug her with cocaine, with crack. Now we're talking at this time, I think she's maybe 15, 14, 15 years old. He he would drug her with cocaine and crack. Um, she actually became addicted to crack, uh, alcohol and all, all types of drugs. So. In in doing this with her being high, he would sell her multiple times. Um, And this went on for quite some time. 
And she was so strung out as a teenager that she couldn't even she couldn't leave. And it, it wasn't even a matter of, I, you know, this this dude physically preventing her from leaving. No, he got her strung out. So she was being being basically raped by multiple people a day. And this happened for quite some time, too, until the dude uh, in, ended up. I think he got arrested and she ended up back in the foster care system. Now, at this point, she was 17, a 17 year old that's been through molestation by a family member, been through abuse by foster care, been prostituted at the age of like 14, 15, strung out on crack cocaine. <sighs> that's not a good fit for any household and or any foster parent. Luckily, she did get placed with who was a decent foster parent. But at this time, she was like fucked up, like mentally. Yo, she was um rebellious, like she she was angry at the world and she had every right to be. She was suicidal. She was depressed. Every every right to be all of those things. But yeah, man, she um. She attempted suicide uh, multiple times. And right now she's in her 30s and she's still from time to time. Like, I mean, I, I hate to say she still makes attempts to to kill herself. And like, that's just so much trauma. And that that's not her only trauma. That's just like a little slice of the cake, man. Um, you, Do you know anybody personally who's experienced uh, sexual crime, sexual abuse? I don't know anyone to that extent that had it that severe, but I, 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 I stated earlier about some of the instances of people I know close to me um, and how when they stepped up, stepped forward, uh, spoke up, it was immediately rejected and slapped back down. And that's why people don't step up and don't uh, seek help. And, you know, it's even worse when, when you're married because, you know, in domestic violence situations, a lot of women who are victims of domestic violence, when they try to leave, they get assaulted, they get killed. Yeah. So it's it's just a bad situation to be in. And um, you tend to be alone. And the sad thing about the law is if they don't have evidence, they can't do anything. And you can call the cops all you want and say someone is a danger to you. Typically, the cops can't do anything until that person harms you. And a lot of the time that results in them killing you or you just end up killing yourself or killing that person, such as the the girl recently who had finally got a pardon after uh, murdering her pimp that was pimping her out as a child almost her entire life. He, She murdered him. Everybody's probably heard about this case recently. Murdered him, got sentenced to life in prison, got it upheld, and now f finally got a, a pardon from the governor and will be released later this year. But that's just a, a bad situation all around. And, you know, that's a terrible story. But sadly, it, it is a lot more stories like that that we don't know about, that we may never know about, uh, of people going through this stuff right now. Yeah, man. Um, I guess that that about uh, wraps wraps it up here. Um, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll post a couple of websites, a couple of phone numbers where you can report sexual crimes or ba basically resources. If you need help, if you've been a victim of a sexual crime, I, I don't. I, off the top of my head, I, I don't know any, but I know there are some national uh, national programs out here. All right. So we're going to go into uh, what we we've. Well, right now we're kind of playing with the names, but we're going to call it. Remember that time Do you remember 
<laughs> Man, you know you shouldn't have done that because now I'm going to just clip it and use that, use that clip every now and then randomly. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Man, look, I'm going to tell y'all how P helped me rob them all blind. So there was this mall back home. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I was wondering what story we was going to tell today. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I was thinking, too. And I'm like, ah, I don't really. I, I've, I don't know. We had a we had a couple, but I like for them joints to be completely random. Right. He had this job at um, he was a security. <laughs> he was a security guard. Like he, he's the worst well, overnight security guard. Yeah. It, he's the worst person you would want to be a security guard. This nigga used to try to sleep and drive at the same time. <laughs> man, I can close my eyes for five seconds and then I can open them and I'll be all right. Man, didn't you used to do that shit like on the top yeah. level of the parking lot? On the parking deck. I used to say, okay, I can put the car, I can take my foot off the gas and let the car just idle and I can close my eyes for about seven seconds. And when I open them again, I'll be at the end of the lot and I can make a U-turn and do it again. And uh, the funny thing was... when. <laughs> When I got when I was at work, I went to work one night and I saw a picture of a, a security truck that went through the the wall of a parking deck on the second level at a local mall. One of our other malls that our company worked for. And I laughed because in my head, I thought that he probably thought he was doing. He probably had the same idea I had. I can just close my eyes for a few seconds and open them up and turn around. But I think he must have kept his eyes closed too long because he went over. He went through the wall and through the dirt. Man, <laughs> that nigga forgot how to spell Mississippi. Like, one, <laughs> wait, hold on. It's, I know it's a couple <laughs> S's. Like, man. So, uh, yeah, P used to work that overnight security job at a local shopping mall. And this was back when malls were kind of still the thing where, where you had to go to get things. So I used to go up there and just sit around because I ain't had shit better else to do. I worked during the day. I ain't had shit to do at night. <laughs> So this one particular night, P was making his rounds and I'm looking, I'm like, I can't believe how many stores are still open. Like when I say open there, the, the stores, the businesses were closed, but the um they weren't locked. So I'm like in the corridor section, the back of the yeah, store, man, I like I'm about to go up in here and get some shoes. I'm about to get all kinds of shit. So my dumb ass, the first place I go was I think it was called what was it called? Like Waxy Maxi or some shit like that. No, this was this was um uh, rack, uh record town. Yeah, record town. Man, and mind you, P's not the only security guard. There were other security guards. They knew I was up there. So what I was doing, I was sneaking through the corridors because they didn't have cameras in the corridors if I if I recall correctly. They didn't. I would do my my patrol through the corridors and that night I told you I said, "All right, I'm going to do my patrol. I'm going to go through the corridors and I'm going to tell you which which stores I saw open." in the back and then i'll let you know and then you go in <laughs> man he came back the, the one with we always hope for i think it was only open like once or twice your entire time being there was foot locker man i would have cleaned house at foot locker but yeah so first my first stop i said man i'm going to uh to the record store and i get up in the um in the in the record store I'm looking around to see if they had cameras. <laughs> they didn't have any cameras. That so I'm like, shit, I should try to get the register too. But I'm like, nah, that's 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 might be going a little too far if this shit gets out of hand. <laughs> that's going too far. <laughs> so instead of browsing and grabbing wait, no, instead of just grabbing a bunch of CDs, I go to the rap section 
And I started browsing like I'm a motherfucking shopper. <laughs> so this was reading, my, reading the songs on the back and everything. <laughs> this was my logic. My logic was I'm going to get a whole bunch of CDs because this is back when you remember CDs was like $18.99, $20. Man, I said, I'm going to get a whole bunch of CDs that I wouldn't normally buy. Uh, the only one I remember to this day is because I remember P was like, man, what the fuck? I got L Burner solo, solo album. Didn't you get Mo Thugs too? The Mo Thugs album? Yeah, I think I got that too. But th- this was back, yeah, Bone Thugs and Harmony kick. But <laughs> L Burner, man. That wasn't when you got Trap Stop the Gunfight, was it? I, I think I got that joint too. Trap, yeah, Stop the Violence. <laughs> I got uh, Brother. <laughs> Had a whole bunch of Bobo LA rappers on there. <laughs> man, um, what else I get? I got uh, Brother Lynch Hung. You remember him? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was broken in and stole a whole bunch of sorry cds CDs that they they wouldn't even give a shit right so i look at the front door and i'm like damn the front door open too fuck that i'm just gonna walk out the front and take this shit to my car and come back to uh <laughs> to go to other stores and go shopping young i didn't know that those uh security alarms you know them little things you walk through that beep if you have a tag on it i didn't know they still worked that night mm-hmm. So I go walking through the front door. Them motherfucking security shit started going off. Lights started flashing. I was like, man, I thought these joints didn't work at night. So I turn around. Ran. It's like three in the morning. <laughs> man, I'm surprised. What, I, that, that, man, what's her name? Miss. Yeah. But I'm, I'm surprised she didn't. She probably knew because that alarm was loud as shit. I go taking off running down the corridor. I went back through the back again, ran out to the parking garage. It's like, why did you go back through the way you came anyway? Man, the front door was unlocked. <laughs> I got too comfortable in there, man. That, that shit was funny as shit, man. <laughs> Batman would have had to walk past the security booth <laughs> to get back out to his car. And you <laughs> like, nah, that? I don't know. Nah, matter of fact, yeah, I did run through the front. I did. I, I ran through the front. The alarms <laughs> were going off. But instead of going past the security booth, I made that hard left by Sears. And then hit the other corridor that goes around the security booth in the back. That's the way I, I thought you was going the whole time. And <laughs> I remember I was sitting in the office. I was like, all right, well, my cork is on patrol out in the parking lot. So you got about 10 minutes. And <laughs> and then I'm sitting in the in the office and I and the alarm went off. I was like, shit. So <laughs> you had already just ran off by then. And correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you get in the high speed chase with my partner? Because I, I saw... <laughs> Two cars fly by the parking lot, the, 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 fly by the security office. It's like three in the morning. I saw a car going like 60 and then my coworker following it with the lights on going like 60. Got in a high speed chase in the parking lot. And I was just sitting in the office like, damn, man, I hope that nigga don't get caught. Man, and to put that into perspective, too, the, the speed limit in the parking lot was like 10 miles an hour. It was a parking deck. That was. Then I got in a high speed chase over Brother Lynch hung. Man, I don't even think she knew why she was chasing me either. Man, I think I panicked, and she was driving the white. I remember it was like a white Jeep Cherokee or something with the lights on the top. Man, yeah. I threw all the uh, CDs I stole in the back seat, and I saw the lights, and I was like, "Oh shit, they know." And I think she, <laughs> they know she saw me. <laughs> oh shit, they know. <laughs> Man, that joint was funny as shit, man. I was trying to get the fuck up out of there, right? And I'm like, this lady has seen me multiple times. She has to know that this is my car. 
like, just about to leave me out, no, then. You ain't never come back after that day. Hell nah. <laughs> Man, I took my, like, eight CDs, my hand-picked, curated CDs, like, yeah, man, these CDs fucking suck, man. I was mad as shit. I blew my only opportunity to rob the mall on eight whack ass CDs. <laughs> That's like when we when we was high that night and we walked all the way to Crystal City when it was like ten degrees outside and um we was hungry as shit and we went to that elevator in the hotel and went to the restaurant floor and saw the dessert tray. It was like, oh shit, dessert tray. Hey man, <laughs> go get one of them desserts off the tray. And you ran over and you came back with a cinnamon stick, <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> I said, I said, what is that? Cinnamon stick, young. I'm like, nigga, where you get that from? I took that jaw off the cake. I'm like, why'd you grab the whole cake? And <laughs> you can't even have brought me brought back a cinnamon stick. Yeah, for you them. can't even eat a cinnamon stick. <laughs> yeah, we was high as shit that night. That was the same night that we had a pocket full of money and we was gonna catch oh, yeah. we was gonna catch a bus to Crystal City. To go to like the underground and just go, that, that's what they call it, the underground shops. But, um, but it was like 10 at night. Yeah. We we still could have caught a bus because we had a pocket full of money, but we couldn't count. But the problem is, though, the underground is closed. I, I don't know why we were going there. Like, <laughs> we were going there. It was a good idea. Like, hey, man, you trying to go to Crystal City? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's so go. we walk all the way from the bottom of the neighborhood to the top, which is like, it's, it's a good four or five minute walk. And... We're counting money the whole time. We knew the Metro cost a dollar and 10 cent, the Metro bus to go to Crystal City. We had probably about eight dollars in change, but we could not count a dollar and 10 cent. So after like the eighth or ninth. All I can remember is looking down at my hand, like <laughs> just frozen, looking at money in my hand. And I wasn't thinking nothing. I was just staring at coins. It. I could not figure out what to do next. Yeah, me neither. Like, And then you kept putting your hand out like here, count this. And I'm looking at the joint like, damn, money. All right, so <laughs> and they got money. You know? <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> and anytime somebody in the hood in the in the hood says, "This is what we're gonna do," don't do that shit. Cause yeah, don't. Do we it. walked instead of catching the bus. We walked like what, probably a mile and a half, two miles. I I don't know. It felt like it felt like twenty miles. It was down Route One at ten at night in ten degree weather. Yeah, underdressed. This, this was before. Oh, man, we was way underdressed, and it was before Potomac Yards. So we what wasn't that before Potomac Yards? Yeah, it was yeah, that was way before Potomac Yards. Man, so we was walking like by train tracks and and overgrown grass and shit. Get there, and man, I I want to say oh, we stopped at the Hyatt. Why were we at the Hyatt? The Hyatt or the Hilton, the one where they had the prom and stuff at all the time. Yeah, that was a Hyatt, the Hyatt Regency Crystal City. I don't, why why were we there though? I have I think we were looking for food. Then we <laughs> ran across the cigarette machine. Oh yeah, then we tried to get cigarettes. Do young? Did we use our bus money on cigarettes? I think we, I think we did. I know it took us a long time to get cigarettes because we kept thinking, "Don't let them see you, young. If they see you, we going to jail, young." Like, <laughs> no, nobody care. Yeah, man. And and for those of you youngsters out here, they used to sell cigarettes in vending machines. So you put the money in. You they had the little knob you pull. Remember the yep, knob? You pull the lever, and the pack of cigarettes drop out. It took us like an hour to do that, and then I think we just ended up. I stole the cinnamon stick because we was hungry. And we walked back and that whole trip was probably like four hours for what? <laughs> like we accomplished nothing. We ain't get no food. We ain't get no cigarettes. I don't even know if we got the cigarettes. I really don't think we got the cigarettes. You know what, what, what wouldn't surprise me if we put the money in and never pulled the damn lever because, yeah, man, we're going to get caught. 
they're going to know. So let's just leave and left the money <laughs> in the damn machine, man. Yeah. We paid $8 to walk to Crystal City and get frostbite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. We, we've done a lot of very odd, odd shit, man. And, you know, cause the stories will keep coming, man. I mean, you know, that wasn't, wasn't one of our best. But, yeah, man, the joints, we try to keep them random. So, anyway, hope you guys uh learned something. Um, well, I don't want to say learn something. Hold on. Yeah, so, anyway, I hope you guys uh are able to take something away from this episode. Uh, You know, we, we discussed uh R. Kelly, of course, which, you know, it's kind of like beating a dead horse. Um discuss sexual assault, how it affects minority communities, how it affects the mentally ill. We, um, you know, looked at how the woman was in a coma, got raped and ended up actually giving birth to a child while still in a coma. Um, that's, uh, P had some statistics as far as how many, um, crimes go underreported sex crimes go underreported uh we'll catch you back next time here on a few screws loose the podcast i am dan aka dan on drugs and you can catch me on ig and twitter at i am dan on drugs and i'm p in charlotte you can catch me on ig and on twitter at screws loose pod and um check us out man you know don't be afraid to give us a like give us a review on on uh, apple Podcasts or on google play subscribe don't miss another installment yeah trust me trust me trust me we appreciate absolutely man reviews are greatly appreciated and we also have a website if you want to go there um check you know we we still have our content there and we also have some of the stories that we tell in a blog form or in text form should i say so you can read them and uh you know it's an awesome website check it out a few screws loose.com Catch you next time, people. Peace. Peace.